0: So, I've got a, a message today that I think is going to be very confronting for, for us as a people. It's confronting to me as a, as a, as a person uh, preparing it to, to bring it to you today. So, uh, turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to confront you. And just think, it's going to confront them more than it confronts you. So, think of them. Be compassionate <laughs> for the person sitting next to you. But my, my message today starts with, Who is Jesus to you? It's a good question to ask yourself. Who is Jesus to you? So let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 6. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of Nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? Now this moment of... um, one woman's spontaneous sacrifice uh, to honour Jesus. It seems uh, there's always been the critics in the room that talk trash about every good thing that happens. And so we don't want to be the trash talker here today. But uh, the size of her sacrifice is is mentioned. And and we're going to take that into perspective to ourselves today. Um, It was a year's income. And she gave it all to Jesus. So she broke open the container and poured it over Jesus' head. So she's obviously had some kind of revelation of Jesus. And, and those who have that kind of revelation are rarely understood by those who have not had that revelation. So her story is unabashed, audacious generosity. And... The the part I want us to see is immediately what follows is the greatest betrayal. And that word betrayal is, is disloyal, it's treacherous, it's it's faithless, could even be described as unethical. What happens next? Let's let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse ten to eleven. So this, this moment of great sacrifice, this moment of great devotion that this woman brings to Jesus. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come. And they promised to give him money, so he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. So nobody would have expected this woman's act of generosity would reveal Judas's dark heart this woman's grateful generous loving act of selfless devotion immediately followed by Judas jealous betrayal so let's put ourselves in the story I I think when we read the word of God when we're hearing a message it's always great to put yourself in the story now you're in the story you're just watching what's going on here Someone comes to church. We'll put it that way. Someone comes into our church, and um, lavishes a huge offering in front of everybody. It's like can't be hidden. It's so like they just come in, and it's like, what are they doing? And, and it's like they—I don't know. I haven't really thought of this part of the message, but maybe they walk in with a with a wheelbarrow full of cash, their whole year's way, the, the whole year's wages. They just. Put all their pay into a big wheelbarrow and think one day I'm just going to wheel this into church and I'm just going to bring it up the front and just tip it all out for everyone to see. You think that's that's extreme. That's a little bit drawing too much attention to yourself. Whatever we would think. In front of everyone. And in that moment, we'll all have an opinion. We'll all judge. We'll all have an idea. Well, oh man, damn, damn, I mean, we will, we'll have, we'll have something to, to say. But when that happens, who is Jesus to you? When those kind of opportunities come, when those kind of things happen around us, who is Jesus to you in that moment? I'm going to give you a disclaimer. Well, I haven't done one of these for a long time, but they're good fun. Where is it? You need to see it on the screen. Here it is. Don't be the Judas in the story. You need to beware who you take sides with because you may be condemning who God approves. Just be careful of that. So the woman gave a year's wages to honor Jesus. This is is where it gets a a little bit personal, a little bit confronting. Judas accepted a few months' wages to betray him. So when you look at, I did a little bit of research on how much 30 pieces of silver is what he got paid. They said in the day, it's a few months wages. But it says this woman gave a whole year's wages to honor Jesus. Judas takes just a a couple of weeks, really, to betray him. And I just thought of this as we were just in between the prayer time this morning and church started, I got this thought. See, Judas got money to, be, to betray Jesus, yet it costs to serve him. And we, need to re, we need to remember that. We need to let that settle in our heart. We get money when we betray Jesus, but it costs to serve him. So that's a revelation that just went boom in my, in my spirit this morning. So one person knows Jesus, and it leads her to a reckless sacrifice, One person knows Jesus and it leads to a reckless betrayal. She shows a reckless love. He showed a reckless disregard. She had a revelation of Jesus as Savior. Judas has a rejection of Jesus as Savior. We have to ask the question, who knew Jesus better? I mean, we don't know much about this this woman's history. Maybe it's one of the people who Jesus healed. Maybe it's someone he cast demons out of. I I don't really want to go down that track of how closely she knew Jesus, but she had an experience of the Savior, and she said, well, I just want to show him that, that I'm so glad that he came into my life. I just want to show him and display to the world that, that he means so much to me. And yet Jesus had, had Judas, who had walked with him as a disciple for uh, you know, at least the last few years, decides in his heart he's going to reject him as Savior. Who was Jesus to you? This story reminds me of another story of a man who showed reckless disregard. There's two brothers in the Bible, Joseph and Judah. Who's ever heard of the story of Joseph? It's one of the favorite, you know, go-to messages of every preacher. Talk about Joseph. We know that one a lot. We know the story of Joseph. But it's also the story of Judah. And what I say in the story of Joseph, when we read those, those chapters of the Bible, there's a story in the story that we don't see in the story. And the story of Joseph is a story of Judah, because I, I think that there's a chapter that talks about the, Joseph being betrayed and being sold. And then there's a chapter in between that's all about Judah. And then it goes back to Joseph in Egypt. Because there's a story in the middle that's sandwiched between the story of Joseph which is really important that we understand. So Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 to 26. It says, Joseph uh, it was, it was Jacob's favorite son. So that, that's where it's found. It's not, I'm not quoting the, the scripture here, but if you look at Genesis chapter 37, uh, jo- Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. He's number 11 of 12. There's a bit of competition around the dinner table. I mean, don't close your eyes in the grace when you live in that family because you're going to miss your chop. So you keep your eyes open, and when the prayer starts, you grab, you grab your food. So there's 12 of them. The 10 older brothers were jealous and hated Joseph. If we look at Genesis chapter 37, verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Great family. So the brothers decided to kill their brother. And the reason is because he told them his dreams. He, they, he told them his dreams that had come from God. He's saying, hey guys, I've, I've got a prophecy. God's been speaking to me some strange stuff in the night. And he's saying, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be a leader. Someday you guys are going to bow down and, and, and honor me. Could you imagine if, you're, if, you've, if you've got older brothers and you're telling them that thing yeah sure fatso come here <laughs> but Reuben if you if you look at the story in the family these this is what we need to just see today. Reuben was the oldest son but he didn't get the customary blessing of the firstborn in that in that culture in that day firstborn gets everything I wish I was a firstborn in those days. Come on, I want the farm, I want the house, I want the Maserati. I want, I want it all, give it to me. But, but Reuben didn't get the blessing of the firstborn son as was customary. If you look at Genesis 35 verse 22, there's a scandal in the family and explains why. He's, he's uh, disqualified. Just look it up. It's like saucy. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's so raw. It's rude. It's rude. But, but you why? It's like, okay, it doesn't, doesn't spell it out, but Reuben, why didn't you get the firstborn blessing? is because you were a naughty boy. Have a look, Genesis 35, 22. Now, Judah was the fourthborn son, yet he's the one who gains the line of blessing. The firstborn blessing goes to Judah, and it puts him in, in the position as the ancestor of King David and Jesus and leadership over Israel which is still relevant to us today so Judah was let's look at the life of Judah think he must have been must have been you know just did everything right he used to get up early and pray he used to polish his dad's shoes he used to do all the good things no he was reckless he was jealous and he was ruthless his character wasn't great so we see in Genesis 37 verses 26 and 27 Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover it up. We'd have to cover up the crime. So he's he's cunning. He's calculated. It says in verse 27, instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. What a great idea. After all, he is our brother. He's got a compassionate touch, just a little bit just a little touch of tenderness that that he has. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brother's agreed. He's a statesman. He's like, yeah, we won't kill him. But as we see in in just these, these, these couple of sentences, Judah's ruthless, he's reckless, he's a schemer who would rather take money for the life of his brother. If you want to have more dirt on Judah... Look at Genesis chapter 38. I'm going to tell you, this family's messed up. These guys, they are messed up as messed up can get. They're they're a crooked family. So do it. Go home. Do some homework. And and you go, woo! This is R-rated. It's Genesis chapter 38. It's amazing. But in between the story of Joseph is, is the story of Judah. Judah, the ruthless, the reckless schemer. He has a life change, or I think better described, he has a heart change as we read about this story of Joseph and Judah. So you're going to fast forward. Give me some fast forward sounds. Thank you. Better than me doing it. So we don't exactly know what age Joseph was when he was sold to be a slave, but I kind of think it might have been about 14. It could have been 13. might have been 12. But I think a, a young teenager, I, I always kind of think maybe 14 years old. But we do know from Genesis chapter 30 that um, he was, actually you no, know, Genesis uh, chapter 41, that he was 30 when he, when he became the leader of Egypt, when the, when the pharaoh said, hey, I want you to administer the food program here. So we know that he was 30. So maybe we we'll fast forward, let's give, have that sound again. About 15 years. We're in the future. And it says in Genesis 44 that Joseph was now the ruler of Egypt. He's now the boss of Egypt's grain supply. And his brothers who sold him are coming to Egypt to buy food. And the person that you have to see to buy food in Egypt is Joseph. And Joseph plays a cruel game with his brothers. Um, Maybe his way of passive revenge. But um, I, I, I kind of think, why is he testing them? Is he testing them? He's trying to see what they're really like. And, and, and in the story I'm going to show you now, maybe he's, he's thinking, will they sell my brother like they sold me? So he, he plants a silver cup in the youngest brother, who's Benjamin. He puts his, his silver cup in Benjamin's sack when they buy their grain and they're going to go home. And they chase after them and say, hey, We've been robbed and and we think it was you guys. And so they go through all all, all the, the luggage and they find the silver cup hidden in Benjamin's stuff. And he's accused of stealing it. Now, their father Jacob's an old guy now. And he's been fiercely protective of Benjamin because he's the full brother of Joseph who's lost already. Is it clear enough? I'm going slow enough. These are really important details we need to understand. So Jacob believes Joseph is dead, and he doesn't want to lose another son. He doesn't want to lose Benjamin, especially because that's the, the, the full brother of Joseph from his wife, who he loved more than all the others. I'm telling you, it's all messed up. The whole story's messed up. You think the sons are crazy? Well, you, the mum and dad, were the mums mom, the and dad was a, was a crazy setup too. You think, hey, on, on Jacob's honeymoon, he got... He got you know two for the price of one it's like genesis 44 verse 17 joseph said when they found the silver cup in benjamin's baggage he says only the man who stole my cup will be will be my slave and they find the cup in benjamin's sack so the deal is he has to be he has to be the slave to this you know, Egyptian guy who they don't—they don't even know. I'll ask the musicians to come back and join me. So here's one of the most important lessons in the entire Bible, and we enter Judah back into the story. Genesis chapter 44, verse 18 to 34. It says, "Then Judah stepped forward, and we go to verses 30 to 34. He says." So they just find out, the brothers are all before this ruler of Egypt. And he says, someone stole my cup. It's it's, it's that young guy there with you. Benjamin's got my cup. So therefore he's going to be my slave. Now Judah steps forward and says, I can't go back. I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We are your servants. We'll indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him if I don't bring him back to you, I'll bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish that this would cause my father. The same man, the same Judah who sold Joseph is now saying, let me be the slave, let the boy go, let me take the penalty, let me pay the price. The same one who said, let's not kill him, let's sell him. And I think Joseph was testing to see, let's see, will they just will they say, okay, he can be your slave. We don't care. Maybe Joseph was planning some retribution, thinking if they're going to sell my brother too, then I'm going to put them all in jail and be my slave. So Judah has a demonstrated heart change and he sees life from the heart of the Father With his love for his son. In this story, Judah's betrayal of Joseph is reversed with a great sacrifice. Judah, the ruthless, the reckless, the schemer, is a different man from the inside out. So Judah understood the heart of his father. And you you may have heard this, this kind of flow before. There's a saying that there are those who seek after god for his hands saying so that means you know you're going after god because you, you want to get the gifts you want to get the get what he can give you and there's there's another saying that that those who seek god's face always after to see his glory to experience something and these are good things it's okay to ask god for what's in his hand it's okay to get blessings from the lord And it's okay to to have experience and have relationship and to desire to seek God's face. We can seek God's hand for what we get and we can seek God's face for the experience. There's one more step that Judah took that changed him. And when we go after God's heart, we become like him. So we can maybe perhaps stand together. I'm going to bring this all together now. Now bring the the whole package and tie it up. See the woman with that expensive perfume was saying, Jesus I know who you are. Her revelation triggered her audacious sacrifice. To discover that is to discover the heart of God. We're, We're all Only one decision away from being Judas or Judah. We're only one decision away from being Judas or Judah. My question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Are we going after His hands, His face, or His heart? Because we, when we go after God's heart, we become like Him, and that's the most important element that that Jesus wants from us is that we become like the Father, and that is being willing to say, "I'll take the penalty for someone else, I'll pay the price, I'll put myself in their place," and ultimately, Jesus is the one who who did that for every single one of us. He said, "I take the penalty." There's a picture there's a pattern there's a there's a direction that we see in the scripture that that points to Jesus as the final and ultimate one who says I saw Kyle and I saw Pauline and I saw Lulu and I saw them set them free let me take the penalty I'll become the slave and let them be free because what Jesus was saying the father doesn't want to see eternity without you it would I don't want to see my Father's face if I go back without Him. That's the heart of the Father for the, for the world. That's the heart of the Father for people. Is He doesn't want to bear to see an eternity without you. And Jesus is saying that's what, that's what took Jesus to the cross, was the revelation, the realization, that He couldn't bear to see the Father's face without them. Would you just raise your hands with me today right across this place? I'd love to pray with you today. Father, I pray that we may understand and seek after the heart of a father, that we may become like you, Lord, that we may fully understand and comprehend the weight of sacrifice that you require. And Lord, we just thank you that you gave of yourself because we were like the Benjamin. We were like the Joseph. And you paid the penalty. You paid the price so that we would not be the slave. So Father, I just pray today over everyone in this church. I pray, Lord, that we may grasp an understanding, a greater understanding of who you are. And Lord, when we ask the question, Jesus, Who are you to me? You are my Saviour. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are worth everything. So Father, I just pray today a new day of revelation to speak into our hearts and into our church. May there be just audacious ways that we may serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless your church. It's been great.